I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the Thursday episode of the 905er. Uh, it's going to be a good one today for sure. Roland, why don't you start us off? What do you have to share? Well, I thought we'd start off with um, just uh, an update of what's been happening literally today at Hamilton City Hall. Um, I was just thinking before we came on that, you know, uh, Hamilton City Hall almost deserves its own like theme tune now. And it would be <laughs> kind of like, you know, that music you had at the circus when the clown car came on and there's kind of things parping and wheels. <laughs> the, uh, the Benny, Benny Hill, right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, and it's... It's a little bit like that because that feels very much like the tone of the debate sometimes um, that was going on. And then, um, and not just with the debate. So the, the big debate at Hamilton today was was, was LR, LRT um, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the city was hearing from experts, from Metrolinx, from their own staff, uh, asking questions about the costs and all the stuff that they should absolutely be doing. Um during the day, um, amazingly, you know, this is probably the biggest subject, certainly the biggest single ticket kind of item when you're talking about like three point, was it 3.1 billion, something like that, that yeah, they've right. been promised. Yep, yep. Um, you know, uh, specifically for LRT. I can't think that Hamilton can have ever dis- discussed an item with such a, you know, a, a big number attached to it ever before. Um, multiple occasions, they, they either lost quorum because there weren't enough councillors there, or um, they were on the verge of losing quorum. Obviously, um, uh, because this was a major debate, uh, uh, they got to five o'clock, and um, as often happens at city halls across Ontario, they hadn't dealt with all the uh, subject matter on the agenda. Um, now, they could have voted on LRT, uh, because they'd been through the, the various discussions there, Guess what? They decided not to, and they said, "Well, you know, we don't want to rush it today. It's five o'clock, and uh, you know, it's been a long day." Now, I know. I mean, just to give an example that I'm happen to be familiar with, Wellington City Hall in the last years or so that I've been following them in detail, they will have meetings that start at nine a.m. that finish at eleven p.m. And I, I mean, I've sometimes said this is crazy. You know, if you guys cut down on your speeches a little bit, you could probably wrap up a bit earlier. <laughs> However, you know, knocking off at 5 p.m. when you're dealing with a $3.1 billion uh, subject matter um, seems to me to be bonkers. Um, and yeah, so this is the kind of thing that was going on while the discussion was going on. And then we can get into uh, the actually some of the arguments that were actually well, uh, I, I, put just forward. Before we, before we get into, into that detail, I, I'm... I want to back up and talk about the fact that quorum was not not met at multiple times during this discussion. I mean, this is, I mean, to put it politely, this is like you're basically being handed the entire project uh, on a on a platter, like 3.1 billion. This is the the magic bullet that this will pay for the construction of uh, of the of the the LRT. The the caveat is once it's built pretty much the cost of operating it falls on the city. So that's what they're really they're, they're voting on. So I'm, I'm just thinking like, this is a major project. This is me, like major long lasting legacy project for the city. And yet you have counselors who don't want to sit in here. If, you know, if it's so important, we must hear all, all these points of view. We must have this debate. Then don't you want to sit and make sure that you ha- you listen to the debate? Yeah. I, I don't know what it's like. 
what else are you going to be doing today, guys, uh, your councillors? If you're not at the full council meeting, what are you supposed to be doing? Um, Hamilton has this weird... I don't know if they do this in other big cities. Um, I haven't seen it anywhere that I'm aware of. Um, and again, like a city like the next city around the corner, Burlington and Oakville, um, councillors typically... Well, quorum is not an issue. All councillors are there. It's very rare for a councillor to be absent. Mm. If they are absent, they give their reasons. Um, I actually looked at this a few months ago or about a month ago, probably because um, Joey Coleman, um, who listeners will remember has been on here a few times, uh, does a huge amount of coverage on Hamilton uh, news, um, has been kind of making an issue of this repeated quorum issue in Hamilton. Um, and they have this strange sort of setup where Quorum comes and goes during the day. So it's almost like the, you start the meeting and there may be, I don't know how many councillors, how many councillors are there in Hamilton sort of um, 10 or 12, something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. And people will kind of come and go. So they won't be there all the time. Um, they may leave the chamber. And there's no kind of mention of that made in proceedings unless someone says, oh, you know, we've got to make a decision. Have you got enough people? Oh, no, we don't. We're a few short. This is sort of very strange. And you compare that with Oakville, where I noticed in their minutes, um, a and this happens at every council meeting in Oakville, a councillor was two minutes late to the start of a of a meeting. And that was put in the minutes that councillor X, I won't mention his name because I don't think he did anything particularly egregious, is two minutes late for the start of the meeting. Um and then we've got in Hamilton where people just sort of wander off and do something else for a while. Well, uh, what, what's striking though dark. is that they're still doing Zoom Zoom meetings. Yeah, like like it's this is it's, this isn't like old school where you'd have a council chamber and yeah, if you're going on for a while, you might say I have to leave to use the restroom or uh, you know I need to stretch my legs because you're sitting there for for hours on end. It, it can be a long long day. I get that, but you're on a Zoom call in your home, like. I, I I I understand. Maybe you want to change a change of pace, but you know, just take your your kit, your laptop or whatever, and take it to another room if you want to take it to a, the den or or the kitchen or or your your office, whatever the case may be. You can do that. It's you know, I I, mean, I don't understand councillors in other cities who have the same workload. I mean, sure, Hamilton is bigger than Burlington and Oakville. However. Um, in terms of how often their council meets, uh, the amount of things they're doing, it's not that different. Um, they they have counts, full council meetings about as regularly as Burlington or Oakville does. Uh, the meetings, as I said, go on for at least the same amount of time in other cities. Um, what is the problem here? It, it's um, especially it, with something this this important that needs yeah. they they. It's not as if they, oh it's okay, it's another tedious like line by line budget debate. Yeah. This is a map. This is something that you know you can settle this debate once and for all. Vote yay or nay on it. Shut it down. Get it going. Whatever it is you're going to do, but Lord knows the city. The city of Hamilton does not need another political campaign for mayor and council fought on LRT. They 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 put this thing to rest, people, and just move on. There are other things that you need to work on in the city of Hamilton. Yeah. Um- the, I'm just uh, literally as we're, we're talking here. I'm just going through. Uh, 
people who are interested in this can can look up uh, hashtag Quorum Watch on Twitter, and you'll get uh, the breakdown of the various people who've been following this. Um, so that's, that's uh, always a bad sign, man. When your issue shows up as a Twitter hashtag, yeah, and it's, that's it's bad. you know it's not like there's only two people talking about it. But sure, Joey Coleman is maybe front and center, but there's no, there's a bunch of different people. Um, and you can go through with, with uh, the the number of occasions on which you know um, four of the sixteen councillors turn up late, um, uh, uh, and like you say, this is all being done online. Um, uh, you know, one councillor is on leave at the moment anyway, and uh, you know I'm not going to blame him for that. That's for health issues, and that's fine. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like three billion dollars. Is that not enough to get you to turn up? I mean, what you look at your calendar as you <laughs> as you kind of get ready in the morning. It's like not like you have to leave the house uh, and go. Okay, what are we talking about today? Oh yeah, three point one billion dollars for LRT. Um, nah, they <laughs> 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 don't need me for that one. Um, you know what? Huge... This, this is going to be fun to bring up with. Uh... Uh, our guests next week. Uh, we're as a bit of a teaser to our listeners. We're, we're talking with one of the organizers of I Elect Hamilton next week, and it's going to be a fun, fun discussion to bring up so, stuff like this that is not a, an uncommon occurrence uh, in Hamilton City Council. And I mean, just so it's, just make sure I get my facts right today. Uh, and I'm I'm reporting here what Joey Coleman reported, so I, mean, I wasn't following the meeting. I have a day job, unfortunately. Um, the twelve forty-five Hamilton Council City Council, after, I guess after their lunch break, um, didn't have quorum to resume the meeting at twelve forty-five. Um, as at five o'clock, around five o'clock, when they were discussing whether to proceed to a vote or not, they were on the verge of losing quorum again. So presumably, whoever had come back into the room, so to speak, um, someone else must have left, or you know. It, uh, I mean, I don't see how. I don't know what the official quorum number is. Whether it's fifty percent, or well, it doesn't or matter. But you um, think you, quite honestly, um, you know, part part of that would be the job of mayor as chair of council to make sure. Don't you know, do we have enough people to keep this going? That that is part of their criteria. Now you shouldn't. It shouldn't come up like it. Just be like, no, you sit down. You're an adult. You say, you do your job. You sit and and you you take part in in the discussion. That part of that it does, I think, fall on Mayor Eisenberger to step up and say, you know, where are you going? What is so important? This is a huge, huge infrastructure pro- project in our city. We need to deal with it. Yeah, and I'm just just since I was literally just looking up Twitter as we did this, I'll read out a tweet from February the fifteenth, two thousand and nineteen. Obviously, a very different meeting. I have no idea what they were talking about. So there are sixteen council members in Hamilton. Um, on that day in February 2019, five were present uh, as the meeting began. Th- uh, the councillors for three, four, nine, ten, and eleven, not on time. One, two, five, six, seven, eight, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and the mayor himself was not there. Um, this doesn't happen in other cities, people. <laughs> this isn't. Mm. This is why we need the clown car. Uh, and, and then you know to go to. Uh, debate whether they, you know, the LRT subject has been debated to death. The city has been offered a huge amount of money. Um, uh, the arguments that were being discussed uh, at City Hall today were, were 
uh, questions which which generally have already been answered a uh, hundred times over, and, and you may take one side of that view or another. That's not what I'm disputing. You can, but the questions were so to such a large extent, um, uh, kind of retreading old ground and, and and taking a position and taking a point of view for a moment. To, to my point of view, very much about the councillors who just are opposed to LRT on a kind of religious level somehow. Uh, looking for f- ways to say it was going to cost Hamilton money. So, it's, uh, so regardless of how often the province and the si- and the uh, federal government says oh, we're going to pay for pretty much everything, the only thing you've got to do is pay for the running costs, but you also get the ticket fees. So, I mean that that's how transit works in most places in the world. Uh, the person who runs it is on the is on the uh, uh, is on the hook for the costs of running it. But you're also on the hook for for whatever profits you make. Um, to say that that's a good deal um, when not a single penny is going into the into actually paying for track uh, and paying for for infrastructure and and all the rest of it is is great. But you know, it, this comes down to people moaning about the fact that's going to inconvenience them when they drive from the suburbs of Hamilton uh, down King Street or whatever, or trying to get into town. No, it won't. And, Barton Street is not that great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on to the next, uh, our next topic, uh, which is our favorite four-letter acronym, our our favorite (laughs) four-letter word on this podcast. Uh, No, not that one. It's LPAT. Yes, L-P-A-T. I think I think the uh, we used the phrase again to do with Hamilton a few weeks ago about you know this is why Hamilton can't ha- have nice things. LPAT is the reason why the whole province of Ontario, certainly the whole GTA, um, can't have nice things. And um, in the case of um, uh, in the case of Toronto, and uh, yeah, we're the nine hundred five so we don't really do Toronto news, but this is uh, something that with wider implications. Uh, there was a very nice thing that was discussed by council in recent years, which is the idea of kind of putting a lid over the uh, um, the uh, railway tracks in Toronto and turning it into a park. And boy, if there's one thing that Toronto lacks that would that that would really make it a kind of a better city, it's like a really big central park. Central Park. Hey, that's a good name for a park. I, don't know. I mean, it's, can you think of another city that has a Central Park where people really like it and no. are kind of glad they didn't build on it? No, no, can't can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, so LPAT, um, because everything gets appealed, um, certainly anything of any significance in any city gets appealed. Um, uh, so LPAT has managed now to take both sides uh, and say that the city can build it and now it's said no you can't in two separate decisions now i mean this is a legal system for you lpat is a quasi-judicial uh, body basically acts like a kind of court of appeal for anything to do with planning and development um uh, and this all boils down to what's called air rights so basically someone years ago well a consortium of developers purchased the air rights over the track this this is the kind of thing that boggles my mind sometimes um so they own the air rights, um, and the city would like to have them so that um, it can build. That's fine. The city could, you know, no one's going to steal something from the, from the developers. However, if the city has zoned it for parkland, the land is not worth very much to developers. If 
LPAT says that the same land can be uh, uh, zoned for high-rise, high-density buildings, then suddenly that land is worth a huge amount, far more than the city of Toronto could ever afford to buy. And that's basically what's happened here. Um, uh, and, and I'm repeating the story that um, was in, I want to mention, um, a Spacing Magazine and a Spacing um, podcast, uh, which did a whole episode on this. We're just obviously going to cover it in a little bit of detail. Um, so... The idea between a city about a city, the reason why a city exists to a significant degree is to say, we're the experts in this bit of Ontario. We know better. And we know better, particularly at a street level and on a corner by corner level, about what fits. So sure, you have your your provincial policy documents, you have your growth plan for the Greater Golden Horseshoe or whatever it's called now, um, which says, you know, we want to have high density uh downtowns you want to have growth centers you have want to have all these, these these things which which make us less reliant on cars all great great um objectives but the city takes that and translates that from uh provincial aspiration into street by street level reality what lpat does is it takes that kind of street level plan of the city saying hey, hey we'd like to have a park here in our downtown like many cities in the world um, and says, well, yeah, but the growth plan says um, we want high density downtown, right? So no, you can't do that. I mean, which is crazy because it's like, yeah, Toronto, a Toronto is already extremely dense downtown, um, particularly near the lake. Um, you can't take, and you're taking a very vaguely worded, and the great the growth plan for the Great Golden Horseshoe is very um, vaguely worded. Uh, some of the key things that come up again and again and again at, at council meetings and at LPAT decisions are like single sentences that you kind of feel like a, a, a staffer write, wrote on a wet afternoon without really but thinking that, what they were doing. What, but honestly, honestly, that was kind of what no doubt that they did it, is because it's not, you and I were, ch- were chatting about this before we came on. Like the, the point, the point of, of things like this isn't, it's in my mind, it's all political. It's, it's never uh, uh, about getting, the solution it's the it's the illusion of getting a solution because these this tribunal isn't about let's find a find the the reality because here's the reality you can just stack it with people whatever government of the day is there you can stack it with people that are conducive to your political ideology so you get a you get a tribunal that you can stack because it's all political appointments and you can put it into uh you, you can manipulate it so that yeah you want it you want to give more freedom to your developer buddies, you can do that. Um, if you want to run on a campaign of, oh, we want to help municipalities and grassroots organizations build better communities, you can do that. It's entirely political. And the, the, the reason why it, it's a, you know, it, it's, it's the myth of it because we all think, oh, we go to our city council, our town councils, our city councils, and we make petitions. I, I don't want a building on this block or on this corner. I don't want a 20-story high-rise. I, I, I want this to be green space. I want this to be, you know, a parking garage or w- whatever it is that you that you want to be. And you can organize all you want up to up to it. The problem is you're always yelling at, you're always going to the wrong person. You don't, the problem is you shouldn't go to city council or town council. You should be going to your MPP. Mm-hmm. The pro- no, like, like, point, yeah. like you shouldn't be you should like if you are in Burlington, uh, Oakville, Milton, Hamilton, 
appeal or whatever. You shouldn't be going to your city council and petitioning for these zoning changes. You should be going to going to your MPP because nine times out of 10, this stuff goes to LPAT and it's designed to do that. It's not designed to be sorted out in the council chamber. Um, I mean, the fact that we, I mean, you're going to have to go back into the catalog for this one, but when we had uh, Shauna Stolte uh, on to talk about what it's like as a counselor, like the fact that they can't talk about these issues outside of council, this is what happens. They can't have these conversations with other counselors to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not comfortable with a building going up in my ward or, or people really voicing their concerns to me. I, we need to stop it. This is all why. Because you get into council and people say, I'm not educated enough on this. I'm not going to vote on it. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it off. The developer sues because they, you're, pro, you're holding up my, my decision. I'm just going to go to LPAT. Uh, and and we, we use we use Burlington as the example here. So uh, people who live in Burlington are very aware that um, after the last the current council was elected very much on a on an agenda of um, getting control of development. And uh, the first thing that happened after that that council came in was they passed a um, uh, moratorium. Uh, yeah, let's. <laughs> people, my memory is not good, so I've I've forgotten the the official term. But the the interim control by law, there it is, <laughs> comes eventually. Interim control by law, which prevents, which on the surface appears to prevent development um, in the downtown area of Burlington. Which means it's surprising to people when they see that there was an LPAT decision last week on a um, something like seventeen story senior residence that's being built opposite Joe Brandt Hospital. So it's like, well, if there's if there's no development, why is LPAT saying there is? Well, because despite the moratorium, LPAT, the time limits that, that the province dictates and the um, and the LPAT's role still carries on just as normal. So the, the city saying we're not going to approve it means that the developer skips council entirely, goes straight to LPAT and says, hey, they didn't respond to me. Can I build this? And LPAT goes, yeah, sure. Now, I'm not particularly critical of that specific building i'm not picking on that and saying that was a bad decision no, that's neither the, here nor there it's, it's the process, process right the pro- yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's the process just doesn't it, it's not conducive to a democratic process which is what we're all everybody listening to this is thinking that's how this has worked i elect my city council therefore when i want to talk about the buildings being built in my city or my town or or wherever my neighborhood I go to my ward counselor and I petition my mayor and I write letters and I organize my grassroots, my friends and neighbors, they become my grassroots organization. We go and petition and we lobby and everybody says, yeah, we don't want it either. We'd rather this be built there. And you think that's going to elicit change. And it doesn't because the system is not set up for that. That's not what the, the, and this is kind of what, you know, when you, when you hear across the country, I'm going very macro on this analysis, you, you, you hear, uh, People like uh, uh, Mayor Mayor uh, Nenshi out in Calgary saying we need uh, urban areas need more need a constitutional mandate they need, they need to be written into the constitution. This is why he's talking about it because mm-hmm. the city the city of Burlington the town of Oakville the town of Milton the city of Hamilton the city of Mississauga and Brampton and and, and Niagara and all the rest of us they mean nothing they are they are acts of provincial of the provincial legislature they can change it. If they want, if they wish to, they can change, they can decide, no, we, 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 we take away your power to do X, Y, and Z. And there's no, there's no constitution. You mean you can try and make the case to the Supreme court, which is what, um, some groups are doing in right now with, uh, mayor, with mayor Ford, um, and, and whatnot, but 
I mean, that's where you're talking about conventions and conventions can change. There's nothing explicitly saying cities and town, municipal government has these powers. It's a, it's a myth. You, they don't, they hope they do, but they don't. And it's, it's why people are starting to talk about uh, Toronto maybe being a province in its own right. This all basically comes back to LPAT and, and the fact that the cities are not not as strong as they should be. Um, it, you know, it's said, it's not actually accurate. It's been said by a number of people that Ontario is the only province that has this kind of setup. This, it's not accurate. If you go through every province, they all have their appeals procedures for development. And you can go around the world. And other countries have their appeals procedures too. However, the strength of the LPAT, which comes from the old OMB and which has now been kind of put on steroids by by the Ford government, um, is, I think, unique to Ontario. Um, and it's completely out of whack. Now, you can make the case that, well, you've got to have something. I'm not entirely sure that that's the case. Um, or you can make the case that the cities ultimately are the ones who've got the votes and we should respect that. Um, but uh, you know, but Saint right the way it is. Uh, I think we can you, agree. you know what? Um, because I, I got the uh, the fundraising emails from uh, the the Liberal Party. They they notified us that all that um, is three hundred and sixty five days until the next uh, provincial election. Um, I'm sure. I'm, I don't know if you got that as well. Well, well rolling. I, I I've been cut off. I don't get. Oh, they cut you off. Well. I I still haven't been deleted <laughs> off the mailing list, so I keep getting everything. I'm hoping. I'm hoping this me- this doesn't mean that they're going to delete my name off the off the mailing list now. But I bring it up for a very good reason: is that it's one year until the provincial election. Um, there'll be a lot to talk about in that election. I'm sure of it. But I'd be more than welcome to extend an invitation to Premier Doug Ford. Uh, NDP leader Andrea Horvath and Ontario Liberal leader uh, Stephen Del Duca to come on to this podcast. Uh, not all at the same time, <laughs> God no, but <laughs> one, uh, but just to, to, to have a chat about what what their plans are for the 905 uh, development. Uh, obviously, among other things, um, won't just be about that. But I, I. I, I it's a year to go, and we we need to start knowing. Like this stuff is not is too complicated to wait for a twenty seven day writ. I, I think we well, need to start holding them to the fire now. And, and you know what? We know this is a huge issue in every municipality in Ontario. You know, if you look at Hamilton News, it's Elpat this, Elpat that, Burlington. My God, Burlington is a huge story. It's big in Oakville. It's big everywhere, and yet you will struggle to find any mention from any of those three leaders about there being a fundamental problem with the planning process or now the previous liberal government um as one of their final acts tried to reform the omb that's why it's called lpat now um unfortunately it's one of their final acts which was reversed almost within a matter of weeks on the new government coming in um uh, uh and not only reversed but but worsened by by taking the old rules and just making them worse um, but yeah, we're, we're doing the wrong thing because we go to our councillors and we moan and bitch at our councillors. And seriously, it's one of the major reasons why I would not run again, because it's like, uh, you know, it's all responsibility with no power. Um, people are going to blame you when they see a building they don't like. But really, yeah, I had a vote and I voted this way or that way or the other way. But honestly, it's nothing to do with me. It's to do with some guy whose name I don't even know who sits on LPAT. Um, and that's just wrong, you know. Yes, it is. Well, let's move on to item number three. Um, and, and guess what? Um, it's the Hamilton Catholic District School Board. 
Halton Catholic District School Board. Okay, oh, yeah, Halton. Yeah, sorry, God, my H's. <laughs> yes, they are back in the news. Or at least uh, they are. We we um we we're going to publish a, an article uh, onto the Nine Hundred Fiber website detailing this. So if you want to read it more in detail, uh, we'll have a link in the show notes uh, for you to click on it. But pretty much the summary is this. Um, in case people forgot. I hope they didn't, but the uh, the Halton Catholic District School Board back in April, April 26, uh, had a vote uh, on whether or not to raise the pride flag at its schools. Long story short, they basically avoided it altogether by amending the motion to remove that part altogether, and they chickened out and didn't, didn't vote on it one way or the other. So the flag didn't fly. Well, apparently the, human, the Ontario Human Rights Commission uh, noticed that. Uh, on June 1st, at the start of Pride Month, uh, the Ontario Human Rights Commission sent a letter addressed to Chair Pat Murphy, as well as the edu- uh, Director of Education, uh, Pat Daly, um, outlining some pretty serious uh, uh, concerns that they had. Uh, long story short, their concerns are that the that by not flying the flag, the uh, Halton Catholic School Board... Uh, may be violating hu- the human rights of the uh, LGBTQ2S plus community. Uh, and I'm just going to read the, the quote uh, here that the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario has recognized that an organization's failure to symbolically acknowledge pride events in some cases amount to a violation of the rights of the people who are LGBTQ2 plus to equal treatment and services under the code. And then they cite two, uh, uh, two legal cases, uh, to back up that, that assertion in the letter. This is pretty, uh, this is, this is pretty serious stuff. Um, we, 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 well, I, I did, <laughs> I, I, I started, uh, follow up to the human rights commission. I basically said, you know, what, what are they going to, what are you going to do if they, if they decide not to fly the flag? And, uh, the spokesperson said they're waiting to see. They're not going to comment, but it's a, they're now in a waiting game. The, the board has to do something on this. Um, sadly, uh, we did, I did send out a, a request to chair Pat Murphy and, uh, the education director, Pat Daly to comment on this. I didn't hear anything back. I, I sent them questions. I didn't get a response to those questions. Um, I'm still, I'm still waiting. Yeah. It's, um, this is, Quite apart from the rights and wrongs of the situation, um, as a sort of student of of how to do politics, this is a case where where the the trustees should know that the jig is up. You you yeah. have, you you messed this up big style. Some point, uh, whether today, tomorrow, someday, but soon, as Humphrey Bogart might have said, uh, you're going to have to reverse. Well, you're going to have to have a, a real vote, and you're going to have to raise the flag. Um, the cool thing to do, the thing that would get you maybe some credit, is to do that sooner and not later, and not just punt it down the road uh, until another year, and not to risk letting this go to the next election and and the Hamilton Catholic District, I, sorry, Halton Catholic District School Board, being remembered forever for um for this uh, bad well, and mistaken I, I, decision. There, there are a couple things to to unpack here. Um, one. one uh, you mentioned in our, our last episode uh, where, where we had uh, 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 Caitlin Grieve and, and Whitney Ross and uh, and Hannah Strom and Annie Wong on to talk about Pride Flag, Pride Sidewalk, all that. And you had mentioned um, how eight, Halton Catholic trustee uh, Vincent Ian Tomasi was saying there was too many, too much human rights 
in the legislation. It was yeah. something differently, but that denominational rights had to trump human rights. Um, here's the thing. This letter is basically calling him, him out on that statement. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're like, the, the, this isn't, you know, a, a theoretical debate now. I mean, we're getting into an, 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 an organization or, or a, a, a arm's length body that actually has some teeth to it. Um, that is taking us a, a step into this fight and throwing down the gauntlet and saying enough's enough. Um, so the, like you can, you know, to the, the Ian Tomasi's and the O'Brien's and the, the Carabellas on the, on the Halton Catholic board that want to do this. Oh, you know, we're, we're Catholic and we have a special right. And we have, you know, there's, there's special privileges asserted. No, that's all, that's all bullshit. It, it's, it's stuff that you've been fed by propaganda and whatnot. In this country, no religion has rights over another another's belief or another's way of life. Um, section one of the charter explicitly says that every right in that charter has a limit, and there's a demonstrable limit to it. You can't go and say, "Oh, we we don't want to raise the pride flag because we're Catholic." That's not enough. If you're a publicly funded institution, what the letter is saying is, if you're a publicly funded institution, um, you you need to consider everyone in your publicly funded institution. Yeah. Uh, that, that's one point. Um, the second point I, and I asked this of, uh, of, of the human rights, uh, the Ontario human rights commission and they responded back. I, I want to know because, uh, unfortunately Halton Catholic is not unique in their ignorance to fly the play, the pride flag. Hamilton Wentworth Catholic school board also voted against flying the pride flag. Uh, pretty much saying verbatim the same same criteria that the Canadian flag and the cross were were universal enough. Um, I'm not sure that that argument holds muster this week uh, for obvious reasons, but we're we're not going to discuss that uh, this week. I'm afraid, but I do want to point out. I asked them with I said like why why are you singling at the Halton Catholic and not the Hamilton Wentworth Catholic board? And the response was pretty much they hope all. Well, you know what? Hang on, I'm going to bring it. Bring it up here, because um, it, it's a, yeah, it, it's a. It, I mean, the rest of, to my mind, they are going, they're they're throwing down the gauntlet on this stuff. Hang on, I got it here. Do, 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 do. Of course, it's taking forever. But basically, yeah, here it goes. So I asked them uh, why why uh, why did they single? It said the OHRC encourages all school boards, including Catholic school boards, to join the school boards that have raised the pride flag to acknowledge and show support for their LGBTQ2 plus students, staff, and community members. Um, that's political for, we're going after you first, and we're going to make an example of you and give everyone a fair warning to get their, their house in order. Yeah. I mean, and this, this ultimately comes down again. I mean, it's that old phrase, you can't be a little bit pregnant. You can't be a publicly funded education system and an exclusive uh, entity that only serves the beliefs and interests of a certain group of people. You can't have it both ways. Uh, the Catholic schools in Canada, or mainly in Ontario, are a weird function of our history um, that we're kind of left with. Um, if the people who want to defend that school system want to defend it. And I think at the very least, the province needs to grow the necessary uh, uh, entities <laughs> to have the courage to take anything to do with religion, 
religious judgment or, or, or morals or any of that stuff out of the control of the trustees. The trustees vote on the budget. They can vote on, you know, the hours that the school meets. They can vote on, I don't know, the other stuff that trustees do, right? Um, there's plenty. The the non-Catholic school boards seem to keep their, themselves busy. Um, in this day and age, no elected representative at the level of a municipality has any business talking about gender, sex, sexuality, uh, or any of that stuff. They're not qualified to. They don't have the 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 uh, and they don't have the the democratic mandate to go near that stuff. So the province should be making decisions on that at a provincial level. If uh, schools are to fly pride flags, then the province can decide that for everybody. And it would take this these ridiculous things where we just have multiple municipalities um, either making fools of themselves or at least bringing some credit to themselves by voting one way or the other on this. And it's like it's just not a discussion that that these guys should even be having. Well, I I mean the, the sad thing is um, I don't think we're supposed to go down this road. Honestly, I I think the initial assumption was because as the story goes a student brought forward a request can you fly it they said well no that that's this meeting isn't the time or place to have it but we'll table it and that's what they did and a trustee uh a trustee brenda agnew brought it forward and said uh, we'll we'll make this an actual motion make this an actual policy and from there it just degenerated into homophobia and bigotry um and there's i i i've i've really tried to like mark parse my words i don't, I don't want to inflame it but there's just there's just nowhere else, no way else i can categorize it because the 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 rhetoric uh you know the the the, the both sidesism that you want to say oh you know we want to we want to have a debate on both sides and we, we want to uh get to quote unquote the root cause of of the issue and and you know we, we're you know can't we have a different symbol and i'm and, like uh, sorry go, what breaking news i believe oh I believe that Burlington might have announced where its new, um, where its new flag, or its new uh, flag crosswork is going to go. And do you know what? It's on. It's pretty much right outside, or as close as they could get it, according to the votes of the Burlington public, to the front door of Halton Catholic District School Board. <laughs> I think that's uh, hilarious. Now I know you mentioned that they it may not be as close as one would like, but. Uh, it's it's pretty close. I mean, it's at the at the the intersection. If those who are wondering like to drive by and maybe honk and give a wave, is uh, the corner of Fairview Street and Drury Lane in Burlington is the head, is the headquarters of the Halton Catholic District School Board. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean this 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 kind of parsing of both sides. Um, what what I'm I'm amazed to see is that this letter is kind of calling it out. It's saying no, you can't you can't do this both sides. You don't you don't get special rights you don't get to to use your religion to say you know yeah we, we welcome you but just you know stand over there in the closet don't make it and yes i did use that word purposely don't don't make a scene of yourself we don't want we we we're here we can't legally kick you out but we just we're not really comfortable with all all the the outwardly gay and lesbian stuff which is basically what what you're hearing from from certain trustees on this uh, I'm, I, I find that I'm a little shocked that the trustees don't, didn't have response to us. Uh, we did ask the Halton, sorry, the, the Ontario human rights commission to respond to us. They did. We also reached out to, uh, Halton parent allies, which is a grassroots organization. They responded back to us as well. We reached out to Halton P flag, 
that Whitney Ross, who we had on previously, they responded back to us. Um, all of which, all their statements are included in the in the article uh, on the website. Uh, and, and we 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 had uh, we've had trustees from the Catholic Sport Board on this podcast before mm-hmm. on two occasions, uh, and uh, they generously responded to us very quickly on those in- occasions. Absolutely, I find it now. I may, you know, maybe they're talking to lawyers to try and figure a way out because it's the human it's the human rights commission. This isn't a a grassroots letter writing campaign that you can just toss in a in a box and shove in a corner. You've got to deal with this. My bet is they might be talking with lawyers. Um, they shouldn't. They should just say, "Fuck it, raise the flag." Like I, 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 at this point, at this point, that's how the that's how this is ultimately going to end up. Is that flag is going to be hung over the school probably before the end of the month uh, because they decided to do this. This isn't. This isn't. They decided to have this debate. And they decided to go down this road and they decided to to try and outsmart uh, the Canadian legal system they, they they try to they were trying to outsmart human rights they try to find a loophole around uh the charter of rights and freedoms to promote their own bigotry they got caught that's it they, they got caught with their pants down the the trustees that voted against raising the flag um you know they they they, sh- they have egg on their face they should be embarrassed they should be shamed because all their rhetoric and all their 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 high their high and mighty you know we're going to outsmart everyone and we're going to stay one step ahead and we're going to get to the bottom of this. And we're going to solve this forever and we're going to be unique and special. Turns out, no, you're not. You're dumb and idiotic and you got caught and now everyone knows it. So, you know what, guys? Um, fly the flag. Yeah. I mean, when you're losing the battle, just give up. I mean, <laughs> you've already lost. Uh, uh, and every day that this continues, you uh, make things worse for yourselves. We should probably uh, leave it there. I mean, I, I think um, I hope that the student whose name I'm sorry I can't remember, who originally brought this to the trustees, and who Brent Dragnew uh, also deserves some credit, uh, probably a deal of credit for being the one who actually brought this to uh, the board and uh, tried to get the right result. Um, um, I, I hope, that certainly as a student, to be involved in this kind of thing that, that becomes a, a a national and even international story um, can be a little bit intense when you're still at school. So I, I hope um, uh, that she is uh, uh, not dealing with any unpleasant um, outcomes from this story. Um, but we should probably leave it there for today after three good stories and three quarters of an hour. And um, it's Nicole Hodgkiss is who you're thinking of. Yeah, I, I think she did uh, Halton a, a great uh, service by by bringing this forward um and it's a shame that um it was met with the response it was but uh she like the students we spoke to um on our tuesday episode this week um just amazing kids um i shouldn't call them kids they're they're young adults uh, and they show a level of maturity and intelligence and and frankly uh, a level of articulacy and a, a, a ability put put um really profound thoughts into words that puts some of those trustees, puts me to shame, to be honest, but puts some of the trustees to, to shame even more so. So um, uh, this will get there in the end. Um, it's just um, sad you have to go through this first. But let's leave it there. And um, we'll be back uh, next week with another episode of the 905er. Bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you.
that's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. show called The Boiling Point with my co-host Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.